0: Chapter Thirty Six of the Emancipation of South America by Bartolomé Mitre, translated by William Pilling. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Piotr The Revolutions in Quito and Venezuela, eighteen o nine to eighteen twelve. Spanish America on the southern continent is divided geographically and socially into two great systems, which are nevertheless analogous, having the same origin and the same language simultaneously they felt the same impulse simultaneously arose in both sections the spirit of independence in each section one man took the lead devoting his life to the cause which was at once his own and that of his race yet were these two men of character wholly different the one cool and calculating was devoid of personal ambition the other whose dreams were of glory and of power was its slave Yet in each glowed the passion for emancipation, and each in his own way accomplished the task before him. The one, San Martin, gave liberty to the south, the other, Bolivar, gave liberty to the north. They joined, and the social equilibrium was established. The northern zone of the continent extends about twenty degrees north of the equator, from the frontiers of Peru to Panama and the Caribbean Sea. In 1810, this zone comprehended the Viceroyalty of New Granada, the Captain Generalcy of Venezuela, and the Presidency of Quito, three political divisions marked out by geographical lines and peopled by several heterogeneous races. At that date, New Granada had 1,400,000 inhabitants, Venezuela – 900,000, and Quito – 600,000 of these one million two hundred and thirty four thousand were white europeans and creoles nine hundred and thirteen thousand were of indigenous races six hundred and fifteen thousand of mixed races and one hundred and thirty eight thousand were negro slaves santa fe de bogotá was the capital of new granada caracas was the capital of venezuela the city of quito situated high above the level of the sea had been the centre of pre-columbian civilization during the colonial epoch it was at times attached to the viceroyalty of new granada at times to that of peru the district of which this city was the capital has been styled the tibet of the new world the two parallel ranges of the andes which form the valley of chile unite to the north of argentine territory but again separate in peru and running northward enclose quito and the valley of popayan which forms the extreme south of new granada They then again diverge, this time into three branches, one of which forms the isthmus of Panama, while the others extend to the northeast, as far as the Gulf of Mexico, wild valleys interposing between each range. To the east of the most easterly of these ranges lies a vast plain, drained by the great river Orinoco and its tributaries, situate under the Tropic of Cancer summer and winter are there unknown but the season from march to september is one of constant rain during the intervening months the rivers leave their beds and convert the vast plains into as vast a sea when the waters retire the plains are covered with luxuriant pasturage giving sustenance to millions of cattle and horses which are herded by a semi-civilised race of horsemen known as the llaneros of Colombia a race similar to the gauchos of the argentine pampa the llaneros live in lonely huts and pass their days in saddle inured to fatigue and danger they are sober and abstemious. dress in the most simple manner are dexterous in the use of the lance and are splendid swimmers endowed with such qualities and led by men of their own race their deeds eclipse those of the most renowned heroes of antiquity the colombian revolution broke out separately in each of the three great sections the first outbreak took place at quito in august 1809 almost simultaneously with similar movements in mexico and in upper peru the captain-general ruiz de castillo was deposed and a junta was appointed the movement was crushed by the combined forces of new granada and peru and the leaders were put to death in prison in august 1810 They were the first martyrs in the cause of independence in South America. These outbreaks, simultaneous but unconnected, proceeded from identical causes. These causes not being removed, the consequent effects were naturally reproduced and found echo all over the continent on the twenty fifth of may eighteen ten the star of liberty arose in buenos aires but previous to that date on the nineteenth of april of the same year the municipality of caracas joined by deputies from the people deposed emparan the captain-general denied the authority of the regency of cadiz and appointed a junta to rule over the united provinces of venezuela in the name of the king The leader of this movement was a canon of the Church, named Madariaga, by birth a Chilean and a member of the secret society established by Miranda, whom he had met in London. His associates were Rocio and Ponte, men of noble character, whose political knowledge was more theoretical than practical. Most of the provinces answered the call of the capital by deposing their governors and appointing juntas the central junta issued a manifesto to the other colonies of spanish america inviting them to form a continental league for mutual protection no such league was formed but the example was everywhere followed the first act of the junta was to summon a congress elected by the people into whose hands they proposed to surrender their provisional authority the northern provinces of maracaibo and coro had not deposed their governors generals Miares and ceballos these two officers denounced the movement and commenced to raise troops to oppose it the junta took precautionary measures so as to be prepared against any attack and meantime sent envoys to the united states and to england looking to the latter power for protection in the event of an invasion of venezuela by the french don luis mendez don andres bello and don simon bolivar a colonel of militia were selected to this mission bolivar was at that time twenty-seven years of age there was nothing heroic in his appearance he was short in stature thin and narrow-chested but his rugged irregular features gave a look of energy to his sallow countenance his hair was black and curly his high narrow forehead was deeply seamed with horizontal lines he had thick sensual lips and beautiful teeth his large black eyes were sunk deep in their orbits and sparkled with an unsteady light indicative of his character he looked like one possessed by a latent fire a man of feverish activity combined with duplicity and ignorance his profile was that of a deep thinker altogether his aspect was that of a man of great ideas but of small judgment his deeds do not belie that impression At the age of three years he was left an orphan, heir to a rich patrimony, with hundreds of slaves. His tutor was a philosopher of the school of the cynics. The ideas he learned from him were so extravagant as to verge on lunacy, but he carried them with him throughout his life, and they moulded his career. From him he learned to dream of an ideal form of government, neither monarchical nor republican, in which all offices should be held for life this tutor was named simon rodriguez and was born in caracas the natural son of a priest before he was seventeen years of age bolivar went to europe he was in paris when bonaparte was named first consul and professed enthusiastic admiration for his character in europe he married a daughter of the noble venezuelan family of del toro and then returned to caracas in the third year after his marriage he lost his wife and made a second voyage to europe where he again met his tutor in his company he visited the scenes made immortal by rousseau whose nouvelle Eloise was his favorite book and saw napoleon crowned king of italy at milan they went on to rome and from mount aventine looked over the ruins of the great city of the caesars in a moment of enthusiasm the acolyte seized the hands of his master and swore to liberate his native land Six more years passed, and the revolution broke out in Venezuela, without any open help from him. He was then leading the life of a feudal lord, in wealth and in luxury, produced by the toil of slaves. Yet, though he took no open part in this revolution, he had done something to prepare it. He was on intimate terms with the captain-general, and had betrayed his secrets to the conspirators. Soon after their arrival in London— the three envoys obtained a private audience with the marquis of wellesley who was at that time minister of foreign affairs bolivar who talked french fluently was the spokesman forgetting his role as a diplomatist he made a speech in which he spoke harshly of spain and of his desire of his hopes for the absolute independence of venezuela and most indiscreetly presented not only the credentials of the envoys but their instructions also the British minister listened coldly, and, glancing his eye over the papers, replied that the ideas he had heard expressed were in open contradiction to the documents. These credentials were conferred by a junta ruling in the name of King Ferdinand, and the object of the mission was stated to be an arrangement with the regency of Cadiz in order to prevent a rupture. Bolivar had read neither the credentials nor the instructions. As they retired, he candidly confessed his negligence to his companions, and agreed that the instructions showed both foresight and wisdom. This is a true sample of Bolivar's character, both as a politician and as a soldier. Ever preoccupied by some idea of his own, he took no thought of the obstacles in his way, and gave no heed to the opinions of others. He blindly pursued his own dreams and his own designs victor or vanquished he always persevered reading with his mind's eye as he said himself no other documents than those written on his brain by his master simon rodriguez his ruling idea at this moment was independence and he went straight for it in spite of this diplomatic slip the British government answered the envoys according to the tenor of their instructions, and replied that they could not interfere in any question concerning the government of any country which recognized the King of Spain as its sovereign, but they offered their mediation for the reconciliation of the colonies of Spain with their mother country. They had previously forwarded instructions to the governors of British West Indies to protect the new governments in South America against French aggression they now issued fresh circulars to the same effect more especially recommending them to cultivate amicable relations with these new governments whether or no they recognised the authority of the regency of cadiz this was satisfactory but the result was owing to british policy not to the skills of the envoys in london bolivar became acquainted with general miranda and being initiated as a member of his secret society renewed the oath he had made on the sacred hill of rome to work for the independence and liberty of south america contact with the ardent spirit of the apostle of emancipation blew into a flame the embers lighted by the teachings of rodriguez again bolivar forgot his instructions which forbade him to have anything to do with the plans of miranda he thought that his presence would give fresh impulse to the idea of independence and invited him to accompany the envoys on their return miranda accepted the invitation and they landed at caracas in december when news of the revolution in venezuela reached cadiz the regency proclaimed the leaders of the movement rebels and declining the mediation of great britain declared war against them and ordered a blockade of the coast Cortabarria, a member of the council of indies was charged with the task of subduing them and millares was appointed captain-general in place of emparan in the spanish west india islands preparation was made to sustain the decrees of the regency by force thus the first link in the chain which bound the colonies of the spanish main to the mother country was broken the central junta of caracas responded by raising an army of two thousand five hundred men placed the marquis del toro in command and sent him against coro the headquarters of the royalist reaction on the twenty eighth of november the army attacked the town but was beaten off its retreat was intercepted by a division of eight hundred men but it forced its way on and reached caracas with heavy loss harassed on the way by a hostile population when miranda again landed on american soil he was sixty years of age the people received him with ovations governments appointed him lieutenant general of the army youthful citizens looked to him as the oracle of their future destinies the soldiery regarded him as herald of victory yet at first his influence was not felt in public affairs grave taciturn and dogmatic with unflinching opinions formed in solitude miranda discussed nothing though he sought to make proselytes. Government appointed him, with Rocio and Ustarith, republicans of the new American school, to draw up a plan for the constitution on the basis of the federation of the provinces. The old dreamer who mixed up classic traditions with modern theories sought to combine them with the worn-out institutions of the colonial epoch according to his plan the administration should be entrusted to two incas roman consuls appointed for ten years the rest of the plan was modelled on the municipal institutions of the colonies he was far behind the day in which he lived to propagate his doctrines and to foment the spirit of independence he with bolivar organized a political club on the model of that of the girondins of which he had been a conspicuous member the first congress of venezuela was convened on the second of march eighteen eleven thirty deputies from various provinces were present miranda was one of them this congress appointed the executive junta of three members created a high court of justice in place of the audiencia and named rocio ustariz and Tobar commissioners to draw up a constitution the question of independence was then discussed Miranda, who was the leading advocate of an immediate declaration, carried the measure, by a majority, on the 5th of July. The same day the flag raised by Miranda in 1806, stripes of yellow, blue and red, was adopted as the national ensign of Venezuela. Thus Venezuela was the first independent republic in South America. Many of the inhabitants of Caracas were natives to the Canary Islands among them the agents of contrabarria found the leaders for a reactionary movement which broke out on the eleventh of july the insurgents were quickly surrounded by the populace aided by a part of the garrison and compelled to surrender the greater part of those taken in arms were banished but the leaders were put to death and their heads were exposed on the public roads sad presage of the war of extermination which was to deluge the soil of venezuela with blood on the same day a more formidable outbreak took place at valencia the inhabitants armed as they said in the cause of religion and entrenched the city an army corps under del toro marched against them but was beaten off on which miranda was placed in command a strong outwork was carried by assault but the army was again repulsed in an attack on the great square bolivar and del toro were both present in this affair miranda after receiving a reinforcement again attacked the city proceeding more cautiously he gradually shut up the royalists in the great square where want of water soon compelled them to surrender at discretion this short campaign cost the patriots eight hundred men in killed alone but miranda did not sully his victory by bloodshed and congress released all the prisoners an act of clemency which was severely blamed in view of the severity with which the canarians of caracas had been treated the debate on the constitution produced a lengthy discussion in congress a plan drawn up by ustariz which was an adaptation of the constitution of the united states was adopted almost unanimously but miranda voted against it alleging that the federal constitution was not suited to the country valencia was declared the capital of the new republic congress being in want of funds had issued a paper currency for the payment of their employees of all classes its rapid depreciation in value brought about a state of misery and discontent which enervated the spirit of the revolution Contrabarria recruited one thousand men in puerto rico and sent them under cajigal to reinforce the royalists of the western provinces where the reaction gained ground every day popular leaders rose up on every side in defence of the cause of spain their successes served to display the strength of the country itself and to prepare weapons for the revolution when its principles were understood and adopted by the people in february eighteen twelve a small detachment of two hundred and thirty men under a naval officer named monteverde marched from coro razed all the country as far as barquisimiento and at carora defeated a patriot force of seven hundred men the town of carora was sacked and many patriots were shot without trial in the east of venezuela spanish guayana had declared against the revolution colonel moreno marched with fourteen hundred men to rescue the province from the royalists and being joined by various scattered detachments of the patriots collected a flotilla of twenty-eight gunboats on the orinoco and threatened the town of angostura which stands on the northern bank near to the mouth of that river on the twenty fifth of march eighteen twelve the royalists with nine schooners and eight gunboats attacked the patriot flotilla in the bay of lorondo and after two days fighting completely destroyed it Moreno retreated, and eventually fled, while the remnant of his force capitulated at the town of Maturin. On the 26th of March, 1812, in the afternoon of a calm day, a great roar was heard under the hills of Merida. The ground commenced to rock to and fro in violent oscillations. In less than a minute the cities of Mérida, Barquisimiento, San Felipe, La Guayra, and Caracas were nothing more than heaps of ruins, under which twenty thousand people lay entombed. In the capital almost all the garrison perished. At Barquisimiento, the great part of a division of one thousand men, which was on the march to arrest the progress of Monteverde, with a large amount of military stores, were buried. Under these ruins the First Republic of Venezuela found a grave. This earthquake was felt only in territory occupied by the revolutionists. The provinces of Coro, Maracaibo, and Guayana, which were faithful to the king, suffered nothing. The clergy, who were for the most part royalists, made use of the fact, pointing to it as a chastisement of heaven upon impious men and upon rebels. Fear entered into the hearts of the people, and dismay into those of the patriots monteverde dug seven guns and much war material from beneath the ruins of barquisimiento armed the people and raised his force to one thousand men at san Jose, a division of thirteen hundred raw recruits sallied out to meet him one squadron passed over to him the rest were cut to pieces the prisoners were butchered and the neighbouring town of san carlos was sacked and burned the cities of merida and trujillo declared for the king the common people and deserters from the patriot armies flocked to monteverde he marched upon valencia forty-five days after his departure from coro he entered the federal capital in triumph affairs were now in so critical a state that miranda was appointed dictator he established his headquarters at victoria between valencia and caracas and advanced with four thousand men against the former city during a skirmish between outposts an entire company passed over to the royalists and miranda retreated to a position which he strengthened with fieldworks. the hero of valmy and gemap whose name is inscribed on the triumphal arch at the barriere de seems to have disappeared under the cloak of the dictator and the irresolute general of maastricht and nervinde reappeared on a new scene Colonel antonianzas detached by monteverde to the plains of caracas took the town of calabozo by assault and put the garrison to the sword then being joined by a spaniard named tomas boves he attacked san juan de los morros where not only the fighting men but the old men women and children were butchered the province of barinas declared for the king and monteverde being now secure in his rear twice attacked miranda in his entrenchments but was each time repulsed with heavy loss having received reinforcements from coro he made a third attack and was again repulsed but undismayed he made a flank movement and turned the position of the patriots whereupon miranda though with a force greatly superior in number to the adversary set fire to his stores and retired precipitately on the night of the seventeenth of june to victoria monteverde at the head of the small detachment again attacked him in his new position and caused great confusion in the encampment but was eventually beaten off the royalist leader now had more than three thousand men under his orders and being joined by antonianzas made a general attack on the entrenchments thrown up by miranda at victoria on the twenty ninth of june but was repulsed with heavy loss after expending all his ammunition miranda made no attempt to pursue him and in a council of war it was decided to retreat to valencia a spaniard prevailed upon monteverde to disregard the decision of the council and to remain where he was for three days these three days were the last of this revolution on the twenty fourth of june a general insurrection of the slaves broke out in the valleys to the southeast of caracas miranda had decreed liberty to all slaves who would join the patriot armies their spanish owners preferred to arm them themselves to fight against the patriots the negroes committed all manner of excesses attacked several towns maltreated the white inhabitants and came so near to caracas that miranda was compelled to detach troops against them Bolivar had been placed in command of the city of puerto cabello during a temporary absence of his the spanish prisoners who were numerous gained over the garrison of the citadel and took possession of it Bolivar attempted to retake it with the troops quartered in the city his advance posts went over to the enemy on the fourth of july monteverde approached Bolivar sent out two hundred men against him they were beaten and only seven men w- with one officer returned on this the rest of his troops disbanded, and with seven officers he fled by sea to La Guayra. When Miranda heard of this he exclaimed, Venezuela is stricken to the heart. The Royalists had now the whole of the West and the Plains. They dominated both banks of the Orinoco and the sea coast. The Patriots held barely a third of the territory of Venezuela. The army still numbered five thousand men, mostly recruits, but the general had no confidence in them, nor had his subordinates any longer faith in him. Everyone accused Miranda of having caused the miseries they suffered. Some called him a traitor. In despair he summoned a council, and by their advice opened negotiations with the enemy. In order to be in a better position to treat, Miranda made an attack upon the enemy's lines and routed several detached parties of the royalist troops, after which he proposed a suspension of hostilities. The proposition was accepted by Monteverde on condition that the royalist troops should be permitted to advance on Caracas. Miranda then made further proposals and authorized his commissioners to sign a capitulation which should guarantee the freedom and properties of the insurgents some of his officers protested against this and advised him to risk everything on the chance of a battle but in reality all wished for peace and he knew it a capitulation though a defeat would do more for venezuela than would a passing victory public opinion had veered round and was master of the situation It was necessary that Venezuela should suffer the yoke of the victorious reaction in order that she might know what it meant, and might gather up her forces for the decisive struggle. The capitulation was agreed to by Monteverde and by the commissioners appointed by Miranda on the basis of the complete submission of the patriots and a general amnesty. Miranda, after some hesitation, acceded to these terms and withdrew to Caracas the troops either joined the royalist forces or dispersed on the thirtieth of july monteverde entered caracas in triumph while miranda with bolivar and several of his principal officers trusting not at all to the capitulation left for la guayra intending to fly by sea the captain of an english ship had offered a passage to miranda and urged him to embark at once bolivar and the others prevented him from going on board saying that he required rest they dined together and after miranda had retired twelve officers formed themselves into a sort of secret tribunal and decided that he as the author of the capitulation ought to share the fate of the rest bolivar accused him of receiving bribes from the spaniards and voted for his death as a traitor to the cause of independence but it was resolved to detain him before dawn bolivar went to his room removed his sword and pistols and then awoke him he was made prisoner by his own friends and shut up in the castle of san carlos monteverde paid no attention whatever to the terms of the capitulation the prisons were filled with citizens bolivar hid himself but all except two of the other members of the secret tribunal were among the prisoners many died in the dungeons and the canarians had their revenge in the open plunder of all who had taken part against them miranda was sent to puerto cabello and loaded with chains from his dungeon he addressed a memorial to the supreme court demanding in the name of the new spanish constitution the liberty of his comrades as guaranteed by the capitulation but he asked nothing for himself his protest was unheeded And he, being sent to Spain, languished for three years in a dungeon at Cadiz, where he died miserably on the 14th of July, 1816, and was buried in the mud banks over which the waters of the Mediterranean ebb and flow in front of that city. Bolivar, after remaining for some days in hiding, was presented by a Spanish friend of his to Monteverde, who gave him a passport, in recompense for his service to the king. In the imprisonment of Miranda. End, quote. end of chapter thirty six.